Nyata, hello. Alison here from a little church in South West Victoria called Sanctuary. One of my happy places is Little Creatures Brewery in Geelong. Or any big barn-like place which serves hot chips, a decent pint and a place to hang out with family and friends. I also love being around a dinner table with simple food and backyard flowers, hosting people in the process of getting to know each other. I love chatting in a coffee shop, latte in hand and the hiss of an espresso machine in the background. I love sitting at my desk having Zoom drinks with friends. I love making coffees at Anglicare, swapping tall stories with clients and volunteers. I love lazing around the garden with a glass of wine or mineral water and a cheese board and guests. Basically, it doesn't take much to make me happy. Good food, good drink and good conversation. Now I've been thinking about all this in light of tonight's reading. The disciples were all together in one place, when suddenly a sound like the rush of a violent wind descended from heaven, and tongues like fire fell upon the believers, and all of them were suddenly able to communicate to surprising people as the Spirit gave them ability. And while many of these people were astonished and delighted, And while many came to trust in Jesus and to be baptised as a result, others sneered. They've had a skinful, they said. They're drunk. Now what strikes me here is Peter's response. He doesn't deny that the disciples appear to be intoxicated. He doesn't try to pretend that they're acting normal. Instead, he simply points out that thanks to Jerusalem's liquor licensing laws, it's impossible for them to be drunk at this time, and that something else is going on instead. Now, of course, there are many ways to be drunk, and by no means do I condone them all. There are melancholy drunks and angry drunks and violent drunks, none of which lead to life and growth and connection. But there are also happy drunks. And this is what I think of in relation to this story. In my happy place, which is not so much drunk as relaxed, I witness a general loosening. The inhibitions which often separate us from one another and which block us from real communication are eased. People become more talkative, not only with friends but with strangers. Social barriers come falling down and everyone's okay. Occasionally, someone will sing, and that someone might be me. As tongues loosen further and people open up, they begin to speak generously, vulnerably, even passionately. Personal stories and testimonies emerge. We pay even more attention, and everyone begins to shine, glowing with God radiance like Moses. Old relationships are deepened and new relationships are formed. Once again, love is born. I love drinking to this point of hilarity, a point recognised and blessed by Augustine and again by Martin Luther and Robert Farrar Capon and many other faithful folk. This point doesn't even need alcohol. Just a spiritual openness, a willingness to be unguarded and generous, brave, even exuberant in the company of others. And of course it needs time. For connection doesn't happen 
when everyone's thinking about another engagement, the late night, the early start. It needs every person to be present in the moment, living in God's time, together. So, eased inhibitions, reaching out to strangers, radiating life and joy. Speaking in words others can understand, not necessarily a different language, but ordinary language, kitchen table language, language of school and street and pub. Simply enjoying being alive with other people and sharing truth and belly laughs. When people thought the disciples were drunk, that is what it looked like. And it was all the intoxicating work of the Holy Spirit. And it's why so many people welcome their message. For on that one wild and crazy day, 3,000 people were baptised and added to their number. The newcomers weren't attracted by closed boundaries, by diffidence, by sobriety. Instead, they were attracted by generous communication and overflowing love and exuberant joy. They were attracted by the good news. I look around at our group and I wonder. Most of us are good at maintaining a certain image where most of us are pretty reserved about faith. We rarely talk about it with strangers or even each other. We appear as nice and normal as possible. We're basically clean living. Few of us are seen drunk in public, let alone before noon. In fact, I know some of you are squirming to hear that my happy place is a brewery. For the most part, we seem to be fairly sober, careful, considered, self-controlled and ethical. If we drink to excess, we do it in private. Now this careful, thoughtful culture of ours means that we're great at creating safe spaces and at maintaining clear boundaries. We're great at curated hospitality. We're great at quiet listening and considered prayer and what one friend calls contemplative sadness. We're great at critiquing institutions and pondering big questions. And these things are all important. We need to protect vulnerable people. We need thoughtful prayer. We need space for questions. We need room for grief. But there's more to faith than this. For the spirit of Pentecost is not about conformity, not even to the broad Christian left. Nor is it about middle-class niceness or being good. Instead, it rushes in like a rude and violent wind. It stirs things up, it sets people on fire, and it sends them out to speak confidently and exuberantly with all the wrong people as they are equipped. This spirit is all about interruptions and surprises. It's about being filled with passion and being pushed beyond the safety of our little groups. It's about boundary breaking and bravery. It's about confidence and enthusiasm and new and surprising friendships. It's about seeing people come alive. So I wonder how we hear this story when the first disciples were so outgoing, so communicative, so loving and joyful and intoxicated by the uncontainable spirit that people thought they were drunk. Where do we find ourselves in this story? Do we let the Spirit flow into and through us? Or do we block it? Is there enough reckless energy and wild hospitality to make others wonder if we've been drinking? Or even to notice us at all? 
Or are we so sober and self-controlled that the life of the Spirit has pretty much been quenched? For if all our spaces are curated and safe, how will the Holy Spirit break in? Would we welcome tongues of fire? Or would we bring out the fire extinguishers? Do we want to be set alight, newly gifted and sent? Or are we comfortable with our lives right now, unwilling to grow and change? If all our relationships are carefully considered and tightly boundaried, how do we communicate with strangers? Do we go beyond our safe little groups and encounter new and diverse people? Can we speak their language? And if we can, do we speak of our faith with infectious enthusiasm or do we avoid faith talk at all costs? Or are all our words so carefully chosen that there's no space for tears or belly laughs or confession or forgiveness or the Spirit's recklessness and joy? My friends, these are things to consider. For we are not called to a private faith nor are we called to spiritual sobriety or closed groups. Instead, those of us who follow Jesus are called to be open to the spirit of Pentecost, who interrupts our comfortable lives and sets our hearts on fire, who showers us with gifts unimaginable and empowers us to share the good news widely and extravagantly and abundantly and generously in language that everyone can understand. This Pentecost, I encourage you to consider these things and allow for surprises. Let yourself go. Go beyond your comfort zone. Talk to a stranger. Invite someone weird and wonderful to tea. And in a few minutes, join me around the Lord's own table where the Spirit is poured out and we embody diversity. And we drink new wine, we sing in public and maybe even share a few belly laughs. In the name of the one accused of being a glutton and a drunk, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Did you know there's always more to read on our website? at sanctuarybaptist.wordpress.com Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. If you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal, and you can find the details for this on the website. This podcast was made on the lands of the Eastern Ma Nation, whose people have been sharing story and keeping culture since time immemorial. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Peace be with you all. Shalom.